Okay. <clears throat> All right. So um, we are on our last message on biblical relationships, and um, and we've uh, gone through quite a bit so far. Um, and so I just want to do a quick review of the triangle, which we've done for the past uh, several weeks or several times that, that we've been going through this material. I just want to kind of review it just a little bit. I want to have you guys give me your input and explain it a little bit, and then we're going to finish things off here. So, um, all right, so we've got our wonderful, beautiful triangle here. And so who wants to take the first hit? Let's go. Who wants to do the first one? Demi. Spiritual. Yes, explain to me the spiritual. Um, you need to have like a spiritual foundation and make sure you're Yes, absolutely. And practically, how does that work out for you guys? The spiritual foundation. You got to make sure that you're saved, sure. But like, what else? Practically, like, what are we talking about? Hannah. Yes, and why is that important? Like, why should you be walking with God before you even start considering dating somebody else? If you can't keep your spiritual like, relationship on track, then how can you keep your Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just think about it. It's It's... It is almost, it is almost impossible, almost, almost, I mean like 99.9% impossible to be someone who is the spiritual leader in the relationship, walking with God, and someone who has no interest in spiritual things, and you actually be the one that affects them. It just doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Uh, it often is the opposite. People that have no spiritual interest, and then you say that you're a believer, and you start dating them, you're the one that goes down. Almost 99.9% of the time. And I'm a living testimony of that. And so it's one of those things that you've got to get in your head. And that you should never date someone based on their potential, ever. You should date someone because of who they are. And so are they walking with the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? I mean, when you get into a relationship with somebody else, you're responsible for that person's life. You're now intertwining your life with theirs. And you could either drag them down with you, or they're going to drag you down with them. And so if you're both not walking with God, then it's just going to be, it's, it's just going to be bad. It's not going to be good. All right, so we talk about the spiritual foundation. Very important. And then the next is? Emotional. Yes, the emotional part. All right, so I'm going to explain that one. What is the emotional part of your triangle? <laughs> the later response. <laughs> Come on, what do we got? Do you have an emotional part of your being? <laughs> no, I don't. Anybody? All right, what's your emotional part of your being? Like, what are we talking about here with this part of who you are? Diego. Almost like how the person makes you feel. Okay. And it could be also like your interests and the things that you like, the things you don't like. Um, when we talk about the physical and just within the dating realm, like people are attracted to each other physically, right? By the way that they appear. I'll just stop there. All right. And then after that, you've got the, <laughs> you got the emotional side. And some people are attracted more to the emotional side of the person. So the things that the person likes, the things that the person doesn't like, the things that they do well, the things that they don't do well that you're attracted to. I, I don't know. It just, it just made sense in my head. Um, whatever it might be, but it's the emotional part of the person. Okay. Once you start to get to know the person a little bit more, there are certain interests that you might find that you have in common that just continue that attraction towards each other. All right, good. And then lastly is, we already mentioned it a little bit, the five cycle, physical. So we got the physical side. Uh, and this is what the world looks at first. 
And so when you look at this triangle, uh, the world takes this triangle and they flip it completely upside down. So the first thing that is on their mind when they want to be with someone or they're attracted to somebody is always the physical when it comes to the world's perspective. They're attracted to the outside. They're attracted to the way that the person appears. And then over time, they get to know the emotional side of the person, their likes, their dislikes, their interests, their hobbies, whatever, the other things that they like about that person on the emotional side. And then if they ever get around to it, then they'll talk about the spiritual. When God's way is the complete opposite. You've got to start with the spiritual first. You have to. You've got to. It's the part of you that's going to last forever. It's the most important part of you. It's the part of you that will actually give you a foundation to your relationship that nothing will be able to move it. The emotional side of you changes quite often. Your likes and dislikes, your hobbies and interests. And the physical side of you changes every day until the point you get super old. And you don't even look the same as you did any longer. And you can't do the same things you did any longer. So you got to look at this from God's perspective. If you want a good, godly relationship with someone that will last for the rest of your life, which I would hope is one of the goals you guys have, Nope, I want to get married for five years, divorce, and then I want to find somebody else. Another five years, have a couple kids, divorce again. That's just my life goal. You really could achieve those goals. I know, everyone, a lot of people do. That's not something that I think that we are like shooting for. I think in, in, in the deepest parts of who you are, I think every single one of you want to have, you want to find one person that you could love with everything that you have for the rest of your life. And you could live until you're the sweet, ripe old age of like 95. And you're still holding hands with that person, walking along the beach, if not wheelchairing along the beach. <laughs> and spending some... What in the world? It is a sign. See, it's what you want. It's what you want. I know it is. All right. Let's see if we can get this figured out. Because screen mirroring just completely stopped. Even though it says it's actually working. Apple, rude. Okay, there we go. Boom. All right, there we go. Okay, so I know that's what you guys want. I know that's what you want. It's normal. I think those things are just part of how God has made you. It's how he's made us. He has not made you to be a part of a relationship that you can never count on for the rest of your life. In the deepest parts of who you are, you were made to have a relationship that would last for your entire life. That's how God made you, right? Okay, so if you want to have that kind of a relationship, you got to look for the right things because you will find what you're looking for. So if you're not looking for the right things, you're not going to find the right thing. If you're looking for the right things, you will find the right thing. And the hard part for most people is that the right thing is super, super, super rare and people just aren't patient enough to wait for it. But I'm telling you, if you're willing to wait for it, it will be the best thing, the best thing that you'll ever find. Okay, so now here's the challenge, and this is our topic today, is how can I live out these biblical guidelines? So we talked about the guidelines on, on dating on the spiritual level, we talked about the guidelines on dating on the emotional level, and we talked about the guidelines on the physical level, and how that mirrors up with dating, engagement, and marriage. And now here's the challenge is, okay, we've learned all this stuff, I've asked all these questions to myself, I've been honest, so how can I actually live these things out? And so these things are very, very simple, and these are principles that I think that you should run with for the rest of your life, but it's something that is, it's, it'll make a huge, huge difference in your spiritual walk. Okay, so let's read this. So when confronted with the truth of the Word of God, it can be easy to acknowledge that what God says is true, and that the wisdom that comes from the Bible is what we need to hear. 
right? I mean, I think that's why most of you are here, is that you agree that the Bible is something that is true and that you do need to hear it. And so when we hear that, it's something that we, that we internalize. And then the hard part is humbling ourselves and allowing what God says to practically change us from the inside out. That's the hard part. We can agree that someone's right, and we can even agree that God is right. And we can agree that these principles are biblical and that you should follow them. However, when you leave this room and you get back into your life, are you actually going to do it? Because it's not going to make any difference in your life. God can't do anything in your life if you don't go out there and actually start doing this stuff. So a changed life that lines up more and more with God's word is the proof that we are walking in obedience to the Lord. I know it's not rocket science, but we just need to think about that. If you are willing to become obedient to the Lord, the following principles will help you live out the biblical guidelines that we have discussed. All right, so here's the first one. Have this attitude. In my life, the Bible always wins. In my life, the Bible always, always wins. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of your circumstances, are you willing to believe, trust, and obey the Bible in any circumstance that you're in? This is not easy because there are times in our life that we have to make tough decisions. And I know for me, especially within the dating realm, like I've shared my testimony, there came a point in time where I knew, I knew that I had to break up with that one girl that I dated in my senior year of high school into my freshman year of college. Like I knew, I knew, like it just hit me where I'm like, I know she's not the best person for me. I know she truly doesn't love me and care about me. I know she doesn't want to walk with the Lord because of X, Y, and Z. I see it clearly. I've got to end it. And so then we're faced with a choice. Do I hang on and just keep hoping that things are going to change? Or do I actually end it? And I knew I needed to end it. I knew I needed to. And I did. And I'm so thankful that I did. But it was hard. And I think these things are the parts of you guys that we tend to hesitate. When it comes to hard decisions, we shirk from them. We shrink back from them. We're not willing to make the hard decisions when you don't really realize what's on the line. Because if you realize what's on the line, it would make it very easy to make hard decisions. So having this attitude in my life, the Bible always, always wins. So I kind of look at it like this. This is kind of dumb, corny, but yield to the Bible. It's dumb, whatever. But in my mind, as I was thinking about it, what is a yield sign for when you're driving? Yes, you take a look, and if there's another car coming, you slow down and you let that car pass, and then you go. That's like humility. You're yielding to let someone else take the lead, and then you go. That's God, every time. Is this your attitude towards the Bible? Are you walking circumspectly in your life that when a circumstance happens that you are looking around, and you notice something, oh, that's bad, and then you yield, and you let it go, and then you proceed. Or you're just like, and you just keep going, and you get into bad accidents. I mean, some of you might drive that way, not for very long, because you'll lose your insurance and your license. But um, when it comes to spiritual, on the spiritual side, when it comes to dating and that kind of stuff, I mean, seriously, if you're not walking circumspectly, and if you're not yielding to the truth of God, then you're, it's going to be a wreck. You're going to get into a wreck. And it's going to cause some scars. And you might, I don't know, cause some permanent damage that can never be taken back again. So you need to start thinking about some of these things. All right, so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I love this. 5 through 7. What is it? Yes. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto 
thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. These verses like, should smack you across the face daily. Because oftentimes in our own lives, we want to trust in our own ways, not God's. We want to trust in the sight of our own eyes, not God's. And that's what gets us in trouble every time. When God says, no, 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 don't do that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into that own understanding. I don't care what you think, what you think you understand, what you, what you think the solution might be, or what, whatever. It doesn't matter. What does God think? What does God think? Forget what you think for a moment. What does God think? That is one of the most valuable tools that you could ever have in your entire life. Who cares what you think? What does God think? That is so important. You've got to, if you want to live godly, you've got to think on those terms. You have to. And if you're going to think on those terms, where do you go to get God's thoughts? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. <laughs> I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yay! Yes! So that's why we teach kids those songs when they're young, because it's true. It's true. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. That should be a principle in your life that should be never changing. Go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. It's right next to Psalm 2. Psalm chapter 1. Having this attitude, the Bible always wins. I've, I've made it a, a goal in my life that I've memorized the entire first chapter of Psalms because it's so good. It's so good. So, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So if you want to be blessed, you've got to do this. Your delight is in God's word, and you're in it day and night. It's something that guides you. I mean, would you ever go out in the woods at night without a flashlight? I mean, you could, right? If you know the woods really, really well. But it's not wise. You want to be able to see where you're going. This world is dark. Dark. And there are things all over the place that are going to trip you up and they could hurt you. Big time. You need something to help guide your path. You need it. You need the Lord. And so here, this man who's blessed walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He doesn't let those things be the things that guide his life. Verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And look at the result. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want that in my life. I want that in my life. It is possible to be out in the middle of the desert and to have a tree flourishing as long as it's by a river of water. It's possible. And it's the same with our world. Our world is, I mean, it's like a land of destruction. But if you're willing to plant yourself next to a, a river of water, which, by the way, Jesus is called, what's he called? The living water. Okay. Kind of corny, but totally true. If you're willing to plant your life in 
him. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You will be able to flourish. I don't care what it is. I don't need to know. I don't need to know your circumstances. I don't need to know your problems. I know what the Bible says. You plant your life in Christ and you will flourish. You will. It's a promise. Straight out of the Bible. Are you going to believe it and change or just keep going your own way as your leaves are withering and falling off and you have no fruit? The only thing left is for you to be cut down and to be burned. I mean, those are the choices that we have on a daily basis. What choice are you going to make? I love those verses. All right, so those are those ones right there. Let me show you this one. I'm going to show you just a few. So Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. So David said this. I love this. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Is that you? Is that your heart? That you're asking God daily, teach me, God. Show me. I don't have it in me. I can't figure this out. I don't know which way to go. I wait on you. I don't wait on anybody else. I wait on you. I need you to show me. If you are that type of a person, then he will show you. And you will have that attitude in your life. The Bible will always win. Psalm 27, 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. I need to know the right way to go because of my enemies. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. That's, an, that's a really neat prayer right there. God, if you teach me, I'll do it. That's what he says. And then he says after that, unite my heart to fear thy name. Oftentimes we don't obey God. We're not willing to walk in his truth or even to ask him to teach us because our, we're not willing to have our heart united. We have a divided heart. We want to keep doing the things that we want to do. And we kind of want to give part to God too. It doesn't work like that. If you really want God to teach you, if you really want to walk in his truth, then you have to have a single heart focus towards the Lord. That's the only way it's going to happen. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And give me a reader for 33 and 66. 33, 66. Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Once again, teach me. I will, I shall keep it. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. That's the only way it's going to work. If you want God to teach you, you have to believe him. <laughs> What's Hebrews eleven six? Anyone know that one? For without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Very important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So before you even approach God, you already have to believe that he has that place in your life, that he is that authority, that guiding light that you need, the person that's going to give you the direction that you need and that you ask for. If you don't believe that, then forget it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can memorize scriptures all day long. You can go to church all day long. You can meet faithfully each week in discipleship, but it's not going to mean jack because you don't believe God. You have to believe him first. That's the key. That's the key. Look at this verse, Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. All right, hold up there. This is really important. If God truly is your God, 
If he really is your God, if he is the person that you follow, the person that you worship, the person that you adore, the person that is everything to you, then you will ask him, teach me to do thy will. I want to do everything that you want me to do, God, because you're my God. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're everything to me. When it comes to dating and relationships and stuff like that, do we have that kind of heart attitude towards God? We should. We should. If he is your God, you should. You should. And if this is your heart attitude, this should be something that's in your life every single day. Isaiah 34, verse 16. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. And here's why. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her made, for my mouth hath it commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. Not one thing in the Bible will fail. There's not one thing that will break, not one thing that will bend. It is completely sure because it's God's word. His very character is put on it. Go to Acts 17.11. We're looking at a lot of scriptures, but we need to. We need to because this is the whole point. If we're going to have the attitude, the Bible wins. We need to look at the Bible. Acts 17.11. All right, so I'm read that one. And while you listen to this, Connor, you can get it. While you listen to this verse, think about this. Is this me? Could this be a theme in my life that people can see, that I could be a living testimony? Go ahead. These were more noble than Rose and Thessalonica, and they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So do you have the mindset that you receive the word of God with all readiness of mind. Like, let me ask you this morning. On your way into church this morning, where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to open up the Bible. I can't wait to hear what God wants me to know today. Because I know it could change my life. Was that you this morning? Or just like, let me just say you sleep in a couple more hours. I mean, are, do you have a readiness of mind? When you open up the Bible, do you look at it as something like, like, like it's a good meal? Like, what's your favorite meal? Somebody give it. What is it? Beef stroganoff. Steak. <laughs> what else we got? Lean cuisine. Lean cuisine. <laughs> yes, give me that lean cuisine. <laughs> Anybody else? What do you got? Come on. Chicken parmesan. Yes. I love stromboli. I love stromboli. Okay, so whatever your favorite dish is, and it is like, you're like, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. I can't wait for this. And then it comes on, you're like, oh. Like, it's like the best. You know what I'm talking about? Like something that is like right up your alley that is like, mm, mm, mm. You know what I mean? Okay. Now let me ask you something. In the morning or whenever, study hall in the evening, when you crack open your Bible, do you have that same kind of eagerness? You're like, I cannot wait to see what God has to show me today. And I am excited to hear what he wants me to hear. Like, do you have that kind of anticipation? Because that's honestly, you can have that. I don't know why some, some of you guys think the Bible is boring. It is not boring at all. The only reason why it's boring is because you make it boring. 
The Bible is amazing. There are some amazing truths in the Bible that if we're willing just to seek it out and just read it and believe it, it will change every fiber of your being. It will change your entire perspective on this life. It will change everything. It will give you a completely different outlook on your circumstances, the people that drive you nuts. I mean, anything you could possibly think of, it will change everything. When was the last time that you consumed God's word like it was your favorite meal? That's someone that loves God and that worships God and that follows God and that God has his heart and her heart. Like we're going to start a study next Sunday. I'm gonna, we're going to do some different uh, topics in the Bible that I've always loved since I was a kid. And we're going to dive into some interesting doctrinal stuff. And, uh, and it's just amazing. I started reading some stuff this past week, just getting ready for it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is amazing. I love it. I'm pumped. Just little nuggets in the Bible that I'm like, man, it opens up my vision into eternity to understand, like, how does God operate? And how does he think? And what about this? And like, what about that? And how does that affect my life? I can't wait to get into some of that stuff next week. We should be getting into the Bible like that. We should. And when people tell us things, we should be searching the scriptures daily whether those things are so. We should be knowing our Bible well enough that we can know the difference between truth and error because we search the scriptures. Not because somebody tells you it's right or wrong, but because the Bible says so. Very important. So you need to have this attitude. In my life, the Bible always wins. Always wins. All right, so next thing we got to talk about. Number two, do not fight the flesh with the flesh. It will never work. So how can I live out these biblical guidelines? Number one, have this attitude. In my life, the Bible always wins. And number two, do not fight the flesh with the flesh. It will never, ever work. So when it comes to these things in your life and say, okay, I'm going to start to practically work this stuff out. Or maybe uh, dating, relationships, uh, like even last week we talked about purity and sexual purity and things like that last week. Maybe that's an issue that you struggle with. These sorts of things you've got to understand. You cannot fight the flesh with the flesh. It's not going to work. There is no way that you can discipline yourself well enough to be obedient. Did you get that? I just want to make sure you understood that one. You cannot discipline yourself well enough to be obedient to God. It's not in you. It's not in you. Your flesh, this body, is corrupt from the inside out. There is no good thing that dwells in the flesh. And there's nothing you can do by your own willpower and your own self-discipline to correct your sinful behavior. You can't. You got to yield. You got to yield. Because in my life, I've tried to do this. I've tried to fight the the flesh with the flesh, and here's what happens. Yeah. So the flesh, I picture as the person that's raging and on fire. And then my problems and circumstances, I picture as the gasoline. And if you've ever taken gasoline and combined it with fire, anybody have that experience? Bigger fire. (laughs) Yes, you get a bigger fire. Yes. And there are certain things that tend to catch on fire as a result of bigger fires. Yes, absolutely. It just doesn't work. We can try and try and try all day long, but it's just never, ever, ever going to work. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We don't do that. You can't win these battles in the flesh with the flesh. That's verse 3. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, I love verse 62, but I just want to pause this for a second. So, these, these strongholds, these things in your life that you can never seem to get over, these sin issues that, you can, that you're just always plagued by and you can never escape them. The only way that it's going to work is these strongholds can be pulled down, but it says, but mighty through who? Through who? What does it say? Verse 4. God. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So God is the only one that is able to pull down the strongholds in your life. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Jack? Yes, oversimplified, not thinking bad. But practically, how do you do this? How do you take your thoughts and bring them into obedience? Jack? This one? This book. Okay. The Bible? Okay. Yes. You need to read the Bible. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone has sinful thoughts, correct? Unless, is anybody Jesus here? Again? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Liar. <laughs> yeah. No one is Jesus. Okay. So all of us, we all have sinful thoughts. Okay. So the moment that you have a sinful thought, there's two, two ways you can go about this. You can either keep going down that road and continue to have more sinful thoughts about it, or you can recognize that it is a sinful thought, Right? And because you know the Bible, at least you should, that's how we know that we have these sinful thoughts outside of the Holy Spirit, of course, because he does his job. But we know it's a sinful thought, but then we know what the scriptures say. Why is it a sinful thought? And if I truly want to honor God, then I'm going to take that thought into captivity and bring it into obedience, which means I'm going to yield. I'm going to stop. It would almost be like, okay, there's two ways to go. Okay, I have a sinful thought, all right? Sinful thought wants to lead me this way towards Micah. I don't know, no offense. It wants to lead me towards Micah, all right? But on the other side of Micah, there's this gaping hole in the path that's going to, I'm just going to fall down and I'm going to break some bones. I know I'm going to. So I'm going to continue this sinful thought and I'm going to keep walking this way. Oh, hey, there's a hole, but I don't care. It's a sinful thought. Boom, broken leg. Ouch. Okay, or there's a sinful thought and I start to go, I'm like, no, this isn't right. This isn't right because I know that the Bible says this and I do love my Lord and I know what he's done for me. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I got to go this way. I mean, it really is that simple. It really is that simple. You are never in a situation where you have to sin ever, ever. God will never put you in a situation where you have to sin. Why would he do that? That's ridiculous. He's promised that he will always provide a way out. There's always a way of escape, always. It's very important. Go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. One book over. Can't fight the flesh with the flesh. It will never work. Someone read verse 3. Who's got that one? Go ahead, Connor. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Okay, I like I like the Bible. Uh, it it I would read it almost like this: Are ye so foolish, 
Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Like, that's kind of how I read that one. Seriously, are you going to be an idiot? That's my interpretation of it. You're going to be an idiot? So you were justified by the Holy Spirit. You trust in Christ for your salvation. And so now you think somehow that you have this ability to make yourself better? Like, you couldn't, you couldn't earn your salvation, so you really think that you're going to be able to make yourself better now? Like, no. No. Absolutely not. So you're going to somehow perfect yourself. You're going to become more holy out of your own willpower. No. Ridiculous. No, you need the Spirit of God to do it. It's the only way it's going to happen. Only way. Go to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 14. Verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Okay, if you are saved today, if you are born again, the world is crucified unto you and you unto the world. What does that mean? Yeah, Jamie. The world is dead to you. Yeah. Yes. The world has no pull with you any longer. It has no power over you any longer. It's not something that you desire. It's not something that you're seeking after. It's not something that you find your purpose in any longer. And you into the world. The world can't touch you. It's two ways. You have no desire to be in the world, and the world really has no desire to be with you either. Which then puts you in a situation where you can be kind of alone. And very lonely. And like you don't fit. Did you ever read, read, read the Gospels? Like, what happened to Jesus? He didn't fit. No one liked him. The people that said they loved God killed him. That's who we follow. Why would we think it'd work any different? Any church or ministry that fits into this world, it's not of God. It's not of God. It can't. There's no way. There's no way. Because the world... And God, they don't mix. Like, it just doesn't work. You can't take the things of this world and marry them up to God and be like, ah, oh, just feel comfortable. Like, it doesn't work that way. Not at all. So it's the same thing with your flesh. It's the same thing with your flesh. And then I like this verse too, Colossians 2, 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Overcoming your flesh has nothing to do with your flesh. It has everything to do with the Lord and your willingness to yield to him. That's what it, that's what it takes. And then number three, we're going to hit this one. And then we'll be done. Number three, focus on the unseen rather than the seen, the eternal rather than the temporal. This is a principle in my life that helps me out so much, so much. It's so easy to get consumed by this world and let it take our focus. And if you're going to live out biblical guidelines on the dating realm and frankly any other realm of your life, you have to focus on the unseen rather than the seen. You have to. You have to. So I was, I was thinking about this concept. I thought about this picture. It's very pretty. Okay, so just describe this picture for me. What do you notice? What do you notice about this picture? Le beach. Le beach. Circle? Okay. It's like a, like a glass sphere. Okay, it's like a sphere. What do you notice? What else do you observe about it? It is refracting the light. I didn't think about that. Who said that, Ken? No, Carson. Oh, okay, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else we got? Come on, think about it. 
Yes, there is a white background. <laughs> yes. Yes, it can. The sphere makes the background upside down. Yes! Alright, now we're getting somewhere. Alright, so the sphere makes the background look upside down. Okay? Alright. So, so when you think about this, like, I'm trying to think. This is off the cuff, so I might get this completely wrong. But, like, this is how your eyes work, right? So, your eyes, whenever you see things through your eyes, it's actually flipped and your brain reverses it. Yes. Right? Okay. I don't know if you knew that, but your brain completely changes everything. Okay? So, if you had no brain... Yeah, you'd be dead. <laughs> yes, and someone were to look through your eyeballs, it would be completely flipped around. Okay, so I, I, I like this picture because of its perspective. Because it's one way here, and it's another way there. Right? And I think this perfectly describes our problem with our flesh in this world. Because what we see is this, and it looks perfectly normal and right side up. But in the background, everything's flipped. Like it's completely upside down. And I think that's why people have such a hard time because we see what we see, but actually what you see is actually not real. It's weird. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter four. 2 Corinthians chapter four. And this is where you have to learn how to believe the Bible. Because how we see life, what we see to us really matters. Like the people in our life, or the circumstances that we're in, or the decisions that we're going to make. Those things are the things that really, really matter. And we focus all on those things. Am I right? Okay. But here's the reality. That really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying people don't matter. I'm not saying your problems don't matter. I'm not saying your circumstances. I'm just saying... Those things are not the issue. Those are not what's really important. What's really important is what's behind it all. What's on the backside of it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is where it gets very difficult for us. Because we tend to focus so much on the things that are in front of us, that that becomes our reality. And we don't realize that if we let that become our reality, then our whole world's going to be turned upside down. The thing on the other side is actually what matters. Your life here really doesn't matter. Your life there matters. And so if your life there matters more, then your life there determines what you do here. That's the perspective that everyone gets wrong. They think they need to live a successful life now so that way they can die well. What? No. I want to live a good life now so that when I get there, my life is better. That's the whole point. People think everything is right here, right now, and that's not it. And so now here's the problem. If we focus on the back side, then that means what people see here is completely flipped upside down. And they're going to look at us weird. You're not living right. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're not, you're not like anybody else. You're not, you just don't, you don't fit. You're upside down. Why don't you just go with us and just be like everybody else? Because that's what everyone else is doing. Because those are the things that really matter anyway. What's wrong with you? And you, this is why you need to stay fixed on eternal things. Because 
you're not living here, you're living here. And so if this becomes your reality, and then we flip this completely upside down, now your perspective here is going to be completely shifted. And this is why people don't last as Christians, because they're not fixed on eternal things. They're not focused on that stuff. Look at chapter 5 and verse 7 of the same book. For we walk by faith, not by sight. You don't walk with God based on the things you see. You walk with God based on what you believe. And what you believe is based on what the scriptures say. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. So let's end with this. Let's end with this. Take a look at that um, that picture that I have on your guys' study sheet. I'm going to go through a couple verses here. Okay. So that picture that you guys have on the bottom of your of your sheet. So this is this is the difficult part because most people cannot do this. And I hate to even put it this way, but I feel like many of you are just going to hear what I say and it's going to one in ear and out the other and you're not going to do these things that I've been talking about. But if you're willing to actually put these things into practice and you're willing to live these things out, then this is what you have to do. Okay. So specifically within the context of dating, all right, so you have this triangle, and this triangle is now flipped. Now we look at it, and it has no top just because it wouldn't work with the picture, um, so I changed it. All right, so the first thing that we run into when it comes to dating is the physical. So the first thing that you see when you're attracted to somebody is the physical, right? And often that's the first thing that we see. It's the first thing that we're attracted to. It's the, it's the first thing that we want is the physical side, right? Then you have the emotional, and the emotional is a little bit more, you know, you can, you can see it, but it's not as clear as the physical. It's the inside part of the person. And there are some people, and I don't count them out, who really the physical doesn't matter to them. They're actually more concerned about the emotional. And that's the emotional side that really, really attracts them to that person. And so those two things are there. And then the hazy, hazy part in the very back is the spiritual. And eventually we'll get around to it. As a Bible believer, here's what you have to do. You have to look at the physical and say, okay, I'm not going to ignore it. I mean, this, this, this is part of who we are. I'm attracted to this person. I like the way they look. Okay. Now, that could take you down the path towards Micah, and you can fall into a pit and break your leg. Or you can just acknowledge that and say, but what does the Bible say? Okay, I'm attracted to this person. And then you start to get to know them a little bit, and you're like, you know what? I really like who they are. Like, I like the type of person they are, the values that they have, the, the, the likes that they have, their hobbies, their interests. I really like them as they are. Like, forget, you know, the person. Yeah, I'm attracted to them physically, but I like who they are. Okay, that's good. But that doesn't still mean you can date them. What's past that? Where are they at spiritually? That's what you have to do. You've got to almost be like, okay, I'm attracted to them. Okay, put that aside. I like who they are. i got to put that aside too. Where are they at spiritually? That's what you have to do first. Where are they at spiritually? Where am I at spiritually? Especially you guys. We talked about this. I'm going to be leading them in a relationship. Where am I at with the Lord? Am I even walking with the Lord? Could I even lead someone to the Lord? If someone came to me and said, hey, like one of those crazy circumstances. Hey, I need to get saved right now. And you're like, oh, could I do that? Could you actually do that? Or they start asking you questions about the Bible. I can, I can actually answer those. I spend time with God daily. Am I doing those things? Where are they at spiritually? Okay, then should I date them? Just, yeah, you got physical side, emotional side, but spiritually, should I be dating them? That should be the first place that you go. You have to learn how to be disciplined spiritually enough to push aside the physical push aside the emotional, look at the spiritual side and say, Mm-mm. or, yeah, I could. And they're like, okay, well then let's bring in the emotional. I do like who they are. 
you know, and their person, and they walk with God, and that's just to make, okay, and then you can bring in the physical. And then, yeah, if it all lines up, sure, go for it. Does that make sense? That's the hard part. That's what people are not willing to do. And if you're willing to do that, you will find a gem. You will find a rare, rare gem. And you'll find people, and this is what the amazing thing is. There are certain, like, okay, I'm just going to let you in on a window and some stuff. There are some girls that have been in the youth ministry and that are currently in the youth ministry that some guys just pass over. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you're nuts, dude, because you don't see what I see. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times. There are some girls right now in our singles group that have been in our youth ministry that guys are not giving them the time of day, and they are dumb. They are dumb. They don't see what God sees, and that's the problem. And so, guys, let me ask you. If you want to see what God sees, then you need to start doing things God's way. And when you do things God's way, you will see things that no one else will see, and you will find, you will find a rare beauty that some guys might completely pass over, but they're idiots. They're idiots. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Just a little nugget. That one's free. Anything else? I got to charge you. So. All right. Okay. So that ends our relationships, biblical relationship study. Next week, we're going to take a look at some uh, new stuff when, uh, when it comes to doctrinal, some different doctrinal study stuff. It uh, should be a lot of fun. So I hope this has really been a benefit to you guys. And I seriously hope that you take this and you run with it. Because if you do, man, God will not let you down. All right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for our time together this morning. I do pray that these things would not fall on deaf ears, um, that they would take these things and hide them deep within their hearts, that they would flourish into something that would be uh, very honoring unto you. And so help us to just be obedient and to have a heart that eagerly desires to follow you with every fiber of our being. And, um, And whatever that we hear in the main service, God, I pray that you would take those things and do the same thing inside of us, that we would believe them, Run with them, apply them, do them, so that way you can be honored and glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.